Welcome to episode 22 of The Green Room. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be me doing that or you, but I've just gone for it. I think you've done very well there. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, how are you, Nick? I'm very well, very well, thank you. Yeah? Well, yeah. First time in Shores? First time in you've ever seen me, yeah, we're just making off-camera comments about that. I've worked with Nick for 15 years, and I honestly have never seen you in a pair of shorts. Why are you wearing shorts more? You look good. Thank you. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, 22, very, very... two little ducks, you know, if you're a bingo fan. Yes, you know I'm, I'm not, about. actually. I'm not, but good. Excellent. Yeah. Are you enjoying the hot weather? I am. I'm very, so I've got my bottle of water, staying hydrated. It is very hot today. Yes. Could be the hottest day on record. Could be. It's 38.1 degrees. <sighs> um, anyway, fortunately, we do not have uh, air conditioning in this room. Yes. So we will just, for the next 40 minutes, sweat. <laughs> um, so, yeah. episode 22. Mm-hmm. What is it, Two Small Ducks? What was two it? Little Ducks. Two Little Ducks. Yep. What are we talking about today? It's all about problems uh, with renewable energy. Problems, uh, not solutions, problems. Uh, sometimes there's problems with renewable energy uh, because people <laughs> well, don't like it. Um, but uh, also, uh, you know, they, they have kind of inherent um issues with it, with intermittency. So we're going to talk about a lot of those factors um, and then hopefully flip the conversation and say, you know, how they're useful. Uh, but we're going to focus about the bad stuff because you okay. know, normally in the media and stuff like that, you get the, um, the positive aspects of them. Do you? Yes. Mm. I don't. Especially not, now. Not the media I read. <laughs> um, well, so, uh, um, you know, we've had the... Um, the, the emergency climate, or the the call for an emergency climate summit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had that um, uh, 14, 16 year old girl, Harry, who's re- refusing to fly. Greta, you know. um, Swedish girl, yeah. wasn't it? So she's making the whole point about, um, and it's not about renewable energy, but it's kind of like, you know, she's used trains and... and to get around all the countries. And not the planes and, and you know, How and she, other modes of transport. Presumably she's not going to go to the US and have many talks. Not anytime so soon, yeah. 45-day uh, ferry trip or something. Yes, yes. Perfect. Um, Good. But, um, yeah, so so it's been um, kind of climate news and, and you know, the, the, the alternative energy sources have been at the forefront mm. of, of the media. Um, so I think, you know, very much things have changed. Um, however, yeah, it's important with all the positivity to talk about the problems. Okay. So fundamental problem with renewable energy. Before we do that, James. Okay. <laughs> yes, Nicholas. The most important thing of this uh, video cast is how, how, or and podcast. Is this the most important thing? Yes, it is. How okay. can people, how can people find out about us? How can they listen? If you would like to watch us, you go onto YouTube. Um, and you can see us chatting away. We've we've moved around the room a little bit, but it, <clears throat> still, you know, it's us. Uh, still trying to get used to it. But uh, exactly, um, Harry has thus far refused to come on camera. Eventually, I like the air of mystery. Okay, um, and if you would like to listen to us, so you don't need to see these beautiful faces, mm-hmm. um, you can go onto our website. This is the easiest way that you listen to us, isn't it? You go onto our website, and at the top it says our podcast. Uh, and there you will find numerous ways in which you can listen to us. iTunes, uh, Podbean. Can we some more? Spotify. Spotify. Stitcher. Uh, did I say TuneIn Radio? I said that. Yeah, well done. Uh, Stitcher. Yeah. Um, and so so all these ways you can actually just... Uh, so basically it's your favourite podcast uh, 
Well, well it's just, so for me, it's, you know, player? I always they get... Are they podcast uh, players? I think most people use the apps these days. Okay. <laughs> use your favourite app. But I just, you know, it's and all you'll be able to, find to me. Us. You know, the easiest for me is just the Green Age website. You know, that's, that's what I spend all my time, you know, navigating. And, you do, you spend... Yeah. Yes, and, good. Um, but, that, but that is how you can, uh, how you can listen to us. Um, and it is well worth a listen. We've been yeah. doing this now for about six months. Uh, and I think we're I want to say we're growing better, but maybe we're not. Mm. I, I think we are. I think we are. Let's see how this one goes. Let's see how this one goes. Subscriber yeah. numbers would suggest we are getting better. And 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 what I sort of said before, uh, it's um, you know depending upon so so while some of the episodes are say fact heavy and we might focus on a technology or, or, or that sort of aspect, um, we do also like to give an opinion. Which is an important thing to say. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. if you don't agree with some of our opinions, make your then voice you're, heard. Then you're probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's let's make kick off. Yeah. Don't be talking rubbish for five minutes. The problem with the renewable energy. What is the number one problem, Nicholas, with renewable energy? Intermittency. Intermittency. Okay. So intermittency is essentially the fact that. These renewable energy sources, i.e. let's just do wind and solar because they're the easiest. It's not going to be today, is it? Why is it not going to be a problem today? From one of those... Because it's so hot. But it's not really sunny. It's just incredibly hot. Well, it was sunnier earlier, wasn't it? Anyway, let's go back to intermittency. Yeah. So that is basically when the the thing that powers the technology yeah. is not available, i.e. if it's not windy or if it's not sunny, you get no power. Mm-hmm. Right? So fundamentally... In our in our grid, in our electric grid, there is always a demand for some electricity. Yeah. Right. So even if it's really hot today, you might have the AC units on, people have lights on, computers running, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You need electricity. If the sun isn't shining, and so you know maybe at night, or the wind isn't blowing, these renewables will not help. Basically, a, a still day in the winter is shit. Ooh. Sorry, excuse me. It's for for um, you know for those two current sources. I'd, I'd you'd be really surprised. I tell you what, yesterday I saw my first AD plant. Did you? Yes. Okay, tell me about it. So uh, I went to see Kingspan. So Kingspan uh, are a manufacturer of uh, insulation materials amongst mm. other things. They sponsor the cricket. They sponsor the cricket, yeah, and um, and the so golf. Very good, good knowledge. So I went all the, so so they're sort of out in the middle of nowhere. So between kind of the borders of uh, Wales and England, uh, and they've got this massive, massive site uh, where they you know produce many wonderful different things. But amongst those things, when they, what I was taken round the tour of the factory is they inherited this uh, anaerobic digestion plant, mm-hmm. which um, there's a lot of pork farmers. Uh, right. Locally. So um, I'm not going to kind of go into too much detail, but you can see it's kind of recycling all that waste. That's I, great. The, the byproduct. Turn into power or heat. Uh, they've got um, generating turbines. Blimey. Um, and so, so there's waste, heat, and there's um, electricity generation as well. well that's good. So and they looked after you at Kingspan. Oh yeah, very good. good. But I was more, I was most excited about the uh, anaerobic digestion plant actually. Yes. It's fascinating. Um, wasn't, wasn't so much about the smell. It does actually stick smell. Yeah. yeah, I imagine it would do. Uh, the Solar, when you were saying that today we won't have a problem, it is very hot. But what happens to the efficiency of solar panels when it gets hot? Yes, so um, it's not quite like a linear relationship, but as diminishing marginal returns, the hotter it gets. The less it produces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your perfect day is a winter's day, except obviously the days are shorter. Hmm. Um, But that's still Well, perfect day will be sort of 19 degrees in June. 
wouldn't it? Sunny. In terms of length of day, yeah. yeah and yeah. then a windy. Yeah, the keeping time. the panels cool. Yeah. Um, but no, I think so. So the fundamental issue with renewables, and we're going to look mm-hmm. at each of the the different sort of technologies, I guess, and, and talk about it. But the the main issue is this intermittency thing. So with nuclear power, with coal, with gas, the benefit of all of those, I'm not saying they they're all great, um, and some of them certainly aren't clean. However, when you need the electricity, you can turn a switch and you're producing it, regardless of time or environmental conditions. So that is our fundamental issue. There's the, there's the other side of intermittency, um, which is when there's too much wind or too much, um, uh, well, wind is the big one, really, yeah. uh, which we've talked about before a little bit. Um, and that's when the government has to, or not the government, we, the, um, the, the um, energy payers, we have to pay for um, private wind farms to be, um, to, to be paid not to produce too much energy, otherwise it will overload the grid. And the, the amount that we're paying that them for that is going up and up. Um, uh, I think it was up like ten or twenty percent last year from the previous year. It's it's going up a lot. It was one hundred twenty four million last year. We paid wind farms. Um, That'll make people happy. That might get a few comments. Yeah, yeah, hundred hundred twenty four million. Um, and and the other thing about that that might even delight people more is that if you're a private, um, uh, if you if you're uh, a private guy looking to um, in invest in a wind farm you might have a vested interest in um picking somewhere that they are that is going to overload the grid and that they that basically you're incentivized to get those payments um because they are more than what you would earn normally from when it's spinning yeah wow okay that's not anger it's people. a devious way that's not anger to, people to, to find a site but yeah it exists doesn't it um Okay, right. Well, let's. So we're moving on from intermittency. So yeah, um, and this is this is this one that kind of um, uh, it bamboozled me up to a point. So it, on, on the costing side of it, so um, the the term that kind of bamboozled me is the levelizing cost of energy. Which the looking. If we were to use an acronym. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've heard you pushing that one in the office, and so I'm not convinced <laughs> by it. <laughs> it's well, not as good as a seg. That was the that no, was the back that was a one that could that could. Uh, we should uh, work in government just make it back. Um, yeah, so um, basically, it's it's really difficult to um, take all the different energy generation uh, fuels and, and modes. So whether that's wind or um, hydro or coal, etc., mm-hmm. and find an effective way of how to price them over time. Right. Um, so, so, so actually, so saying one thing is is, is sort of cheaper today mm. might not take into into to account that you know you're going to massively expand economies of scale tomorrow, or there's going to be a you know kind of a big bang in terms of that technological development of that uh, energy source. So it might look really expensive today, but could actually be cheaper tomorrow. So they use this this LCOE, the levelized cost of energy. To sort of give an even playing field, and it shows you which is cheaper and which is more expensive. Mm-hmm. How is it calculated? But it's extremely, extremely. Um, it's it's a kind of algorithmic model with lots of different assumptions and, and, and models. It's uh, relatively basic, though. It is relatively but, basic. But They're the assumptions going into. Yeah, it's. Uh, we have a blog on on it, which kind of breaks down how it actually works because it's kind of a scary equation when you look at it. But um, if it, but the but, simple one but, is cost to operate and build. Right. Divided by the lifetime electricity or energy output. Essentially, so yeah. they put in a few other variables, but also the more variables you put in, the more assumptions you're making, the more you're 
crossing your fingers and hoping. Yeah, but it but it it gives a it gives a kind of feel. Yeah, essentially, um, um, we actually had an interesting kind of uh, debate today mm. about uh, about uh, the levelized cost of energy and whether. Um, uh, how much it would differ between countries? Well, we because we were going to use some data, right? The, oh. the reason behind this is we were going to use some. We were going to throw people some numbers, and the last time the government did this in the UK was 2015. 2016. 2016, and I think the energy landscape has changed considerably since then. We were going to go to the US, but as you were talking about. The topography. The topography is different. It also, the levelised cost of energy takes into uh, account labour costs and things like that. Mm. So comparing Discount between rates. countries is very difficult, I think, with our solar and, and just the climate varies so massively because yeah, the output exactly. of solar PV in California completely different to here. is completely different here. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, whether it's similar to there. So they made that point about um, uh, that, you know, if you scale up, normally costs go down. Um, it's not the same... What happened to Germany a few years ago? So there was a massive push to get rid of nuclear mm-hmm. or decommission them as quickly as possible, and then move on over to um, renewable energy sources. But what they found was it was um, there's quite a massive impact onto onto grid load and and, and pre- obviously predictability as you talked about. Mm-hmm. So actually, their, um, their their energy costs went up, or their LCOE for those but the gone up. but the renewables, you know, even even if they have come down over time and solar panels is a really good example of that the the subsidies that they have carried and do carry now i know there are subsidies for kind of the more traditional energy forms but those subsidies are pushing the energy price up for the renewables right and i don't i don't feel that that's quite picked up yeah, I mean, um, another example of, uh, of someone that invested heavily um, and that had an unexpected cost um, reaction was in California, um, which kind of has its own almost localised economy when it yeah. comes to these Everything. things. Right. So there, um, between uh, 2011 and 2017, the cost of their solar panels came down 75%. Um, to buy, which is like crazy. That's yeah. that's insane. Um, but at the same time, their electricity prices rose five times more than they did in the rest of the US. But is that because of massively subsidised energy forms? Well, it's it's. I, think it's, it's I know it's lots of things. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'd I say certainly um, something that needs to be taken into account because you know these things do cost a lot to to install. California really struggles. So the main thing is because of water. So um, a lot of droughts. Uh, a lot of uh, population, so so basically they rely on the rest of America, you know, to to rest of the U.S. states to to get all of their resources there efficiently. A lot of blackouts, so a lot of underinvestment in their grid, despite the fact that so it's my it, it's uh, it's a view, you know, um, <laughs> but um, uh, it seemingly you know you get kind of the positive spin on California, but actually you know it's been kind of decades of underinvestment mm. and. Uh, and I, and I think the so but but just on this so the cost of renewables we feel is is kind of coming down um in general I, yes. in general yeah. and I talk about subsidies but the you know Hinkley point C mm. um that is the most ridiculous subsidy being paid and no spade has even been put in the ground yeah but they're being guaranteed this enormous strike rate which is so far above and beyond what you know the other energy forms are being subsidized at it makes renewables look quite nice, to be honest. One of the reasons that the Swansea Tide Lagoon was rejected is because they were promised a similar strike um, strike price to uh, Hinkley Point C. People didn't like it. Yeah. But it's, again, yeah, it's the wrong type of nuclear. It's kind of investing in a legacy nuclear technology as opposed to 
putting money into more development and um, you know getting on moving on to you know more more efficient forms of nuclear but anyway that's for another episode but um, so so that's that's kind of cost as the negative side okay um, so the next one we're going to do is space yes right so not not space above us but just land area so I, that's all we're talking about so here. I was um, so I shared with you guys a, a few days ago so I was coming back from holiday <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't think this was real I thought this was like an 80s no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand that now. I had to so, be told what it was. So flying over the channel <laughs> and uh, so I took a, a couple of short clips of the um, lots of wind farms. So Was it also because he sent it to us at like ten o'clock at night? No, may have been that. <laughs> may have been that. Five um, PM. But the gone then, so on a Monday. Um, no, it's just yeah, uh, uh, so if you can imagine, I mean, that was um, obviously from you know, whatever, twenty thousand feet up in the air. Mm. Um, that was a lot of space. So these these wind farms, so they're kind of on the, on the coast of East Anglia. Yeah. They take up a lot of space. Obviously, you can see them, you know, when you fly fly over, um, you know, from the continent to, to the UK. So, um, but obviously most of the time you wouldn't see the offshore ones. So they're, they're less kind of intrusive. However, imagine then your onshore farms, you know, they'd be taking a lot of, lot of space. Um, mm. And that's, and that's the problem. So in terms of, so not just intermittency, but in terms of the output that they can generate, you need a massive. Land but the, but so so the argument for renewables is they are getting more and more efficient, right? <clears throat> so wind turbines are getting bigger, as in you, I know you're going to have them close, but they're yeah. getting bigger. They're producing more power, which yeah. is a big thing because solar, it's exponential. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Solar solar panels are getting more efficient. The panels themselves are getting more efficient. We've got things like microinverters that are increasing efficiency. The issue is that even though that is the case, you still need vast swathes of land to be able to put these things in place. So, you know, we, we quote um, the, the scientist, well, so David Mackay, uh, so he did a cal- simplistic calculation and he, he thought that basically you'd need about, um, well, if you, if you were to run everything on renewables, you, need, you would cover the UK up to 25%. Yeah. Um, just to kind of satisfy all the basic needs. <clears throat> um, and that's... I quite a lot. It's quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, you, it doesn't just have to be land. It has to be suitable land. And for each different technology, that's different. So like her hydro, um, we make, what, about less than 2% of our energy from that, which is, you know, still still fair enough. But uh, if we were to use, I read, if we were to use every other hydro opportunity in the whole of the UK, then the maximum we could get is 2% more. But, but there are... There are other things as well, so and it's actually linked to intermittency. But if I cover twenty five percent of UK landmass in wind turbines or yeah. vice versa in with solar panels, and the sun doesn't shine, it doesn't matter. I've got this massive area, but I'm not producing any power. Mm. The other one that takes a huge amount of space is bioenergy, <clears throat> but that one is can be um, much more is much more easy to dispatch. Um, so it's not got such a problem with intermittency, but it takes a huge amount of Space and also has various other. Problems. And you've got to transport yeah, it as well. So you've got to get the biomass where it needs to be. How are you getting the fuel, you know, from one side to the other? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think although what you've said, the efficiency is going up. It still has a long way to go for for us to, <clears> to maximize the space that it that it uses to to, to, to generate that. So uh, okay, so so the argument is they're getting more and more efficient, but the issue is it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's still compared to a nuclear power plant. You've got to put a lot more in. So I, I don't think the it's one, necessarily linear to 
No, but the one the one that's always annoyed me is the uh, the seven river seven uh, and the tidal you know the Lagoon. tidal barrier they want to put in. Yeah. Oh, they talked about putting in yeah. <clears throat> because that to me is predictable for like 180 years, the tides, or probably longer than that. I'm going to be told they are predictable forever. But you're producing loads of energy. You know when the time is. If you couple it with energy storage you'd be absolutely laughing. Mm. And that apparently could produce 5% of the UK's energy requirements. Which, yeah. I know you're talking about tidal, with uh, hydro, it doesn't do enough. But tidal, we could become world leaders in it. I mean, we keep having the opportunity. Have you seen what they've... Um, uh, I know I keep always talk about the Swansea Tidal Lagoon, it's because mm. I'm Welsh. But, um, I didn't know you were Welsh. <laughs> barely, barely <laughs> mentioned it. Um, but uh, but they've, they've redesigned the project because it wasn't... Um, getting supported or funded blah, blah, blah. they've redesigned it and I don't know if you guys have seen it I'll put a link to it on the video because it's very cool but they've redesigned it to basically be a floating island that looks like a Welsh dragon <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome I like that I like that right so okay next? next one so we have um, so the the opinion of people from the renewable or looking at renewables is the renewables don't have the environmental impact of fossil fuels which, you know, it kind of makes sense. If I'm producing solar PV, I've got my solar panels already installed and they're producing electricity, I'm not burning anything. So I'm not producing any carbon dioxide, so that's a good thing. So on the on the face of it, renewables are good in terms of their environmental impact. However, um, I know you've so you sort of briefed this, Harry, on the... Um the toxins and then things like that on, on say on the solar panels themselves i still think they they, they do have a they're really hard to recycle they are they they they're improving the panels so that you need less and less of these toxic heavy metals however you still do need them um the U- eu like mercury the, uh, yeah exactly stuff like that the eu so, is the only place in the world which has um sanctions on how you're supposed to dispose of it although what i will say about that is that i spent an extremely long time trying to research exactly what those sanctions are and they're very hard to find so so what happens so i think it's one of those where we kick into touch for another 20 years which is kind of the lifespan so we'll yeah. worry about it in 20 years time yeah yeah which is pretty standard it's what we do but I think the other one that's that's going to become a bigger thing here is the battery technology, because mm. it's lithium tends to be. I know that batteries will probably evolve over the next so many years, but that's rare earth metal, as far as I understand, and you can only mine it in certain places. And you know there are issues with that because we are reliant number one, and I think most of it, and I may be incorrect here, but is in China, and that's I think really they they have a bit of a monopoly on it. Uh, Inner Mongolia, I think, is where they do most of the mining of, of rare metals. So not China. Inner Mongolia. Inner Mongolia. I believe that's true. Hmm. Anyway. Um, but, it's, but, you know, that, that becomes an issue because we are now reliant on a very rare, hence <laughs> rare earth metals, mm. um, uh, element to provide the sort of solutions we're looking at in the future. Um, so... so- so that's sort of toxins argument. And then going back to what the, the previous point we were talking about. So if you're having to site a big solar farm, so again, you know, very visible. So when you're flying over, you can actually see massive swaves of solar farm land. What yeah. happens to all of the, you know, the, the wild animals and, and things like that? Well, they normally, so if it's a solar farm, they can have animals beneath them. Hmm. I think that's, that's a thing. Um, 
I think as well, so wind wind turbines, people get all upset because wind turbines look horrible, right? I think they look nice. See, this is it. But you, I, so me, you, and you know, younger people, I think, different generation, we're used to it. Oh, all right. Not that much <laughs> well, younger you than me. us in the same generation, that's fine. But, no, no, but I, but I feel like older people <clears throat> didn't have them growing up. They weren't used to them. If you saw yeah. them when you were 10 or from 5 and, you, and they just were normal life, then you don't have an issue with them. Yeah, it's because but also in like in science classes and things things like that, they they tell you about the you know how cool things. But if you're sixty five and all you read about is people putting in a wind turbine and you know they're only putting it in so it doesn't produce power, but they just get paid for turning it off. That's not what you want to hear. Um, and so you know these these are real issues that we're facing. You also get a lot of horror stories about you know them killing birds and bats and bats. Yes, but I heard something on the radio this morning, so I was listening to LBC because of all the political movements I thought it would be interesting and it was actually but there was this fellow who came on talking about wind turbines and he was saying that the bats the pressure changes around the wind turbines so the bats heads explode was literally his words now I don't think that's actually he then said oh no I think they just hemorrhage and then they die but still I know I was yeah I was like wow this is quite interesting over uh, my sort of early morning well, and Can't also, really. yeah, the, so where where people have problems with, say, wind turbines, is um, reports we've heard that um, in terms of bird populations, so responsible for, you know, flying. But then you hear the counter-arguments to that, that they don't really do anything in terms of birds. The, the, there's a lot of interesting counter-arguments with the bird thing, because someone, people will quote you numbers of birds and then say, oh, well, you know, house cats kill 20 million times that or whatever, you know. Mm. Um, uh, and then, but then you need to... Think about where the wind turbines are, where the bird populations are, and you know which birds are getting hit. Is it the rare ones, or is it like Mrs. Pigeon from London mm. Station? Um, the but the when I was talking about that um the seven estuary thing, mm-hmm. yeah, and talking about putting this um tidal barrier in, one of the biggest arguments against that is that you completely change the ecosystem around there, mm-hmm. and so all these birds that are feeding around that area suddenly wouldn't be able to. I had a call from a woman who, um, when, when we were running some stories about the Tidal Lagoon, um, who, she was from Cornwall, she was very concerned um, because the plans for the lagoon required a whole lot of um, rock, basically, that they were going to mine out of Cornwall. And there were a lot of environmental concerns around that. I think there's a, there's a whole group campaigning against it okay. um, on that basis. So there's, there's various different things that you maybe wouldn't think of straight away that are environmental factors. Well, open pit mining is not always a bad idea because sometimes you know when when the 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 mine has been exhausted of its uh, materials, what they normally do is they fill it up and turn it into a like an aqua park, mm. which then incentivizes wildlife back. So you've got quite a lot of a lot of those. I can't Places remember around. the specifics of the argument, but I remember that she was very passionate. <laughs> no, I think people, people are, because they don't want any of this stuff happening where they live. Well, look, you know... I'm happy with fracking so, as long as it's not so in my Crossrail 1, Crossrail 1, um, so they dug up so much earth by, you know, with the tunnelling that then, you know, they had to dispose of the of the earth and the rocks and everything somewhere else. So they deposited it out in um, the Thames Estuary, which then created a... Uh, a bird and wildlife sanctuary out of it so it's not always bad Mm. things to to mining rock and uh, you know uh, infrastructure projects except the environmental cost of actually doing it yes 
But the other thing is, if we don't... I think it's more of a heritage. No, 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 I agree. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, if we don't do the renewable stuff, then what's the environmental impact of continuing to use fossil fuels? Quite. Mm. So, I mean, that that environmental impact is is crazy. And also extremely costly, if you want to go back to that point. Yeah. Um, Philip Hammond said that if we were going to hit the target of, what was it, being uh, zero emissions by Mm. 2050, it's going to cost us a trillion pounds. But that trillion pounds is that companies that are helping to do that that are then paying through taxes. So, so it's, it's some of UK over one trillion pounds. So. Yeah, but it depends if that is just genuinely a cost or that is what generating other nothing, industries. Is that what he said? He said the cost of uh, fighting climate change um, and to get us to the twenty fifty is going to cost them. Yeah, but that means you're building more wind turbines. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, so you need people to build now, the wind turbines. We, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt. Um, and I think one of one of the bigger issues, and I don't actually know too much about it, but is, you know, with um, carbon costs and all this sort of thing, you know, you're trying to basically artificially generate a market. Mm. Um, and I think as soon as you start tinkering like that, and natural things can't play out, you get issues. And it's things like the carbon price going through the ceiling as we get later and later because we have to hit a target by 2050. Mm. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, right, go on, last one. Climate. So yeah, cl- climate. So obviously, um, uh, so the, the the point about the obvious argument about renewable energy sources is that um, it doesn't uh, put more carbon back into the atmosphere, which you know then creates um, well, what what kind of the majority of the scientific community have said is, is acceleration of. Uh, climate change where mm-hmm. the where the earth is getting uh, warmer and warmer so obviously the, the positive side of um, renewables is as such but you know since we're talking about problems of renewable energy still you know for, for um, technologies like solar pv you've still got to mine um, rare earth metals you know yeah. so, so so how's that so that's kind of an anti so yeah so basically as soon as you think renewables you think clean energy Right, but for me to shove a wind turbine up means I've got to put steel, I've got to put concrete as a massive foundation because mm. I imagine otherwise they just fall over. Um, and then so we've got some numbers here. So a two megawatt wind turbine weighs two hundred and fifty tons, right, including tower, rotor blades, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That is, you know, it's just nuts. That is a huge amount of resource to make that wind turbine. And, um, and concrete and creation of concrete, yeah, uh, is is a heavy, heavy duty, you know, very energy intensive uh, production. We wrote a blog on that a long time ago. <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> it took us about four years to publish it, you know, because I always uh, made snide comments about that. But anyway, yeah, I think it's <coughs> it was worth to mention. Um, but also, yeah, Harry, what you said, very very good point about um, so carbon neutral um, sources like bio fuels um yeah the, the cost of transportation from from you know the, the source to to where you are combusting it you know to to, to create the electricity etc is um you know it's still kind of considered yeah. a, as a big impact on the environment also pellets so mm. do you cut down more trees just to make it into recycled pellets yeah um so it's so kind of a, a flip side however you know once i would say is once these energy sources are in situ they are actually creating although we don't know how to recycle them and we don't know how long they last 
Yes, because we yeah, because because these are new to touch. Yes, right. Yes. So these are new technologies. I'm just sitting on the fence here, as you probably noticed from most of this. It is, and you are answering the academic question of, mm. of this blog title today. So yeah, it's important to to mention that. But it's I think one of the other big things is you know your when you're talking about renewables, it provides the alternative to fossil fuels. But again, tie that back into your intermittency thing. That's all good and well, but if I want to boil the kettle at the halftime of you know football World Cup and it's dark and it's not windy, my renewables aren't doing anything. So actually, I still have to have the fossil fuels in place. <clears throat> and I think until battery storage becomes more developed, and we are now seeing the technologies begin to emerge, but it is certainly a very fledgling sort of industry. Um, we are, you know, we're we're a long way from that. Mm-hmm. And we're mostly reliant on gas. Um, and actually, I mean, it's, um, uh, I was saying to you guys earlier, it's an interesting time to be having this discussion. Um, yeah. Uh, because <clears throat> at the moment, so just under half of our gas, uh, 44%, is um, made in the UK by ourselves. That's a statistic from 2017, but it's similar for last year, I think. Um, uh, and 47% of it comes from Europe, um, mostly Norway and Russia. Um, so we get that in through pipes under mm-hmm. under the sea, now, and and on occasionally on boats. Yeah, well, up. actually, that's a different nine percent. Actually, that's the um, uh, liquefied natural natural gas. That's yeah. a separate thing. But uh, but yeah, we also buy that in. Um, so so in in buying in the gas that we need to support the renewables industry, um, then we're reliant on Europe and we're also um, in a difficult position now with um, uh, today Boris Johnson just heading into number 10 um, and his uh, kind of no deal looking like hard Brexit stance it, 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 there's very possible that it's going to have huge knock on effects for what our, what it costs to, to run our energy because we're going to have to pay potentially a lot more the good news is the ships are running pretty freely from the Middle East over to here yeah <clears throat> so wink, you know that, that shouldn't be an issue um, uh, yeah it's no I think it's very very interesting times it um, is yeah and just come back to what you said um, Harry so uh, where we had Greg Clark who was in charge of Bayes so that's the department for uh, energy infrastructure and business in, in no particular order uh, replaced by um, Andrew Ledsom who's now the, the, the full time secretary so yeah we've just got to see you know what type of stance her department takes because Greg Clark was quite pro, um, you know, dealing with uh, the effects of climate change and pushing kind of. The- but I but I still think you remember when we started all this and there was depend uh, Department of Energy and Climate Change right as a deck existed mm-hmm. and so there was real focus on our energy future, and I feel that got really watered down when that yeah. got changed into Bayes. I think the, the Committee for Climate Change, you see them more and more popping up, especially with all this Extinction Rebellion. I bet they're hiring quite a few new people the last few years. Yeah, 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 that's true. They're, they're generally, you know, they're, um, uh, they, they take a quite a proactive stance, I'd say, but whether the government listens to their policy uh, suggestions is, is another thing. But they're, but they're generally there to, to kind of look at the views of the scientific community, write, you know, sitting committees and, you know, write kind of long recommendation reports, etc. Um, and, you know, come up with, with a list that government should prioritise, but, you know, whether governments do that or not. Um, mm. is, do you guys know what you would seen. say if, uh, if you'd been put in charge of, of UK energy and you could say in one sentence what Boris Johnson should do now? Yes. Go on then. 
What would I say? What would I do? Yeah. I'd get our base load sorted. So <clears throat> instead of farting about, we'd have more base load power From? that is cleaner nuclear. You have to go nuclear. You're going to say no, but you have to go no, nuclear. No, no, I'm... I'm, I'm... I d- chuffed that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> so I would go. I go nuclear, not the way of France. I wouldn't go. You know, build so much nuclear. I've got electricity coming out my backside. Um, but I would. Uh, so I'd. I'd put a, a strong base load of nuclear in. Um, I would become less reliant on gas because, as you've said, that is coming from other countries on the whole. Uh, we may as well just give up fracking now. I think the the government they put such a. I think the fracking companies were so desperate to start fracking, they signed up to anything the government allowed them to do. And the the kind of the damage levels that they could sort of work under without being told to stop were so low that they were all like, yes, 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 because we get a fracking licence. And then they've started doing it. And they're like, actually, we can't even turn on a, you know, a drill or whatever they're using because it already it hits the reading, it hits the level where they have to stop working. So fracking, unless the government soften their stance on it, isn't going to happen. It's also... The but that's t- not the way forward. It's, it's I don't think it it's is. It's hydrocarbon. Yeah. No, exactly. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it is. But I think, so if you have nuclear and then it's supported by renewables mm-hmm. and battery mm-hmm. or an energy storage technique, then that would be what I would do. Um, I appreciate it's not that flexible. So your base load has to all be nuclear. <clears throat> Sorry, this is one sentence you wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's what I but, wanted. Fine, good. But also, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Then. I think the issue, the issue, nuclear has been um, that pretty much in terms of kind of the. Um, I think after the sixties or, or or what have you, just because of the perception of nuclear, I don't think much investment and research has has happened publicly. In, in, you know, because once we kind of got our nuclear arsenal, etc., and you know our few nuclear power stations, that was it really. Nothing, yeah, nothing happened None for, for exactly. half a decade. So rather than spending money on carbon capture and storage, which is going to combust coal and gas, yeah. as you said, which is, you know, again, we're depleting the resources. Um, for me, that, that kind of research should be spent on um, developing more efficient forms of nuclear power. But also putting them in place, right? Yeah. Because we're going to see a serious step change in our generating capacity when all these nuclear power plants go offline. Mm. The ones that you're talking about that were built in the 70s and 80s they are reaching the end of their useful life, like now. I'm sure, you know, if we invested and, and, you know, set up kind of industry-wide competitions and how can we more effectively deal with nuclear waste in a more cheaper and effective and less environmentally hindering way, mm. we, could find a, we could find out solutions. But I think um, we've taken such a step back and not looked at it for yeah. decades and decades that um, I think that, you know, there's a massive knowledge gap which we could... Um, yeah, develop. And I've, I've said this for actually since we've started. The government in charge when the lights go off, as in when you start having rolling Serious blackouts, trouble, yeah. like yeah. you currently have in South Africa, and I know that's under mismanagement, but literally they just turn all the electricity off in a region. They announce it's going to happen, they turn the electricity off because they don't have enough. Whoever that happens to, I mean, they will never be in power again because it's the one kind of thing you know that when you turn a light switch on, the light comes on. And if that weren't the case, it's going to be pretty interesting times. That um, that does that kind of cover it. Are you happy that we've we've yeah, and, about um, some of the. I think we 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 kind of covered news news within all the little mini sections, so we'll try to keep it relevant. Um, and I think that sort of explains. I'm sure we'll be covering. Can I tell, tell you one? I've got one other piece of personal news. Go on. 
I changed my energy tariff yesterday. Went on to you switch, changed it. <laughs> the cheapest? No. Or... So I'll tell you what I did. I went to British Gas, which yeah. wasn't the cheapest. Yeah. However, I've decided now is the time to get a smart meter. Yeah. So I went to the biggest energy supplier in the hope that they can provide me with a smart meter for electricity and gas in the coming months once I switch over. Pretty good. That's pretty boring personal news, huh? No, we'll follow up on that story as it develops. Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> anyway, that's it from me. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Um, so that's it for another week. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week.